0: Reminder that uh, Talktoberfest, Thursday, 7.30 on the Facebook page, WBT's Facebook. I think it's also actually up on YouTube, maybe Twitter as well. But um, you can get all the details at the Facebook page. Talktoberfest. I think everybody's... We're all there this week. That is going to be a live streaming logistical nightmare for Josh behind the camera. But um, also... We have teamed up with Charlotte Mechanical to help our neighbors in need get new or like new coats. 704coatdrive.com has all the details. 704coatdrive. You can head to a store, get a new coat, drop it in a bin, or maybe get the coats that your kids outgrew last year, or you have a coat that's gently used. It's like new. Okay. No coats, no problem, though. You can also make a monetary donation uh, to benefit the Salvation Army of Greater Charlotte. You can do that online. Uh, as well as find the barrels closest to you at 704coatedrive.com. All right. And thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, let me see. Do, 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 do. Oh, right, right, right. Laura Meyer, the Democrat from uh, District 5, which is which is apparently going to get a precinct from Vilma Leaks District on the Mecklenburg Board of County Commissioners. Laura Meyer brought up this issue She and her colleague, Susan Rodriguez McDowell, two district reps, they brought up this issue of County Commissioner Ellis Scarborough not attending the meetings during the pandemic, which is understandable, but then not being on camera and not even opening up her microphone to vote yes on many, many, many items. And a couple of weeks back, another female voice which people believe to have been ella scarborough's daughter voted for scarborough on an agenda item and that's not okay so they suggested hey we should adopt a board policy that says you have to vote when you're dialing in remotely you have to you know vote uh, on these items Uh, And we have to be able to see you or hear you or whatever. And they were going to take this up a couple weeks ago. But then another agenda item said, hey, let's go back in person. And so they voted to do that. And then they went back in person. So they tabled the other agenda item, which was to make sure everybody was on camera voting. So it basically, you know, punted for a couple weeks. All right. So it comes back up at the last meeting on Tuesday. Here is County Commissioner Meyer, Laura Meyer, from District 5. Thank
1: you, Chair, um, and thank you everyone for considering this, and I know there are there are opinions on both sides, strong opinions on both sides, but in these last couple of weeks, um, I have talked to the attorney, and he has shared with me the statute from the General Assembly, which makes it clear that um, the person participating remotely must be able to hear and be heard throughout the meeting. Um, And it also, the statute requires simultaneous communication, which might be by telephone, video, or some other form of electronic communication. Um, the, The statute then goes on to specify the requirements of simultaneous communication, which is ability to hear and be heard at the same time. So it's clear that that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing not we're true. offering the video we're offering um everyone's being heard not true uh, that that's that's a, that's true it's my not. opinion is we should have our, vi- our videos on but that's just my opinion and the statute does not um support any kind of policy toward um cameras on for our, for our meetings that are virtual so i would like to withdraw my motion from before or just we just drop it I don't know
2: you can you can you can withdraw your motion (laughs) and does the seconder have to withdraw their second too? it it doesn't matter okay if she if she if she withdraws her motion it's a dead issue right and so we can move on all right So, with that being said, we are moving to consent items. Is there a motion to adopt those items? She did. She did. did. So moved. We We don't have to. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. So moved, Mr. Chairman. All right. It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor say aye. Aye. The ayes have it, so carries a motion.
0: All right. So, whatever. They're not even sure if they needed to vote on that or not, but uh, just for good measure, take a vote. Okay. So, uh, what is not true? The ability to be heard. They are apparently, Chairman Dunlap is not interested in testing whether or not Commissioner Scarborough has the ability to be heard. Because when he calls on her to register her vote, you don't hear anything. He waits about three or four seconds and then he just moves on. We don't know if she can actually be heard or not. What if she's having some technical problems? You need to sort that out, wouldn't you? Unless, of course, you know that she's just not voting. It's not a technological issue, right? You know she can turn that mic on and say yes or no. You, you know she's able to do that. She's just not. Because otherwise, like, think about it, right? Logically, if you are concerned that your colleague is trying to participate in the meeting but is unable to do so because of some sort of technology glitch or problem, you would try to sort that out so they could participate, right? However, if you know that they are not actually interested in participating or are unable to do so, then you're not going to care. You're going to just open up, Ella, Ella you want to vote? Okay, moving on. Because you know she's not. And you're content to keep The yes vote as a registered yes vote, every single policy item, everything that comes up on the agenda. So as long as you frame it in a positive or an affirmative way, you're going to get a yes vote, which means that you don't even need a majority. You just need a four four split. And then you'll get it. It's 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 sort of like Democrats at the national level in the U.S. Senate. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. it's 4-4 split, but you know one of the votes is going to be a yes vote, so make sure you write that agenda item for a yes vote, not a no. Okay, so, um, by the way, did you notice what happened when they took that vote? He never even called for Ella Scarborough's opinion on that one. <laughs> he never called for her vote on the motion to table so or to withdraw the, uh, the the motion. So what this did was it took the item off the agenda, tables it, removes it, And so now, well, first they tabled it a couple weeks ago. Now it's removed. So now you don't get to debate it. And that didn't sit very well with Commissioner Susan Rodriguez-McDowell because a couple weeks ago when it first came up, she wanted to make comments about it. She wanted to speak to it, but they tabled it before she could talk. Now they took it off the agenda before she could talk, so she still didn't get to say what she wanted to say. So at the very end of the meeting, and yes, I watched it, so you didn't have to, you're welcome, Newstalk stock 3 WBT got an email here from Dean who says precincts districts is it that hard to get a politician rated on their performance or is it somehow the voters fault for not looking at them objectively or are we just plain biased against politicians that don't see it our way you effectively present the problem how do we solve it so a couple things Dean good question uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, they are our representatives. They are. This is the thing, like people are like, oh, I can't believe all those guys up in Congress. Really? I can. Have you seen the society at large? <laughs> right. They represent us. And maybe, just maybe, what we see that we don't like is a bit of a reflection of ourselves. That's the first thing. Second thing, though, is that these are districts that, uh, like, for example, uh, Vilma Leek's district, they send her back to office repeatedly. That's their choice. Now, how the other elected officials deal with her or with Ella Scarborough, she was elected at large. Right. Unless people this is the par uh, the problem with a one party majority that we have in mecklenburg county and in charlotte right like this is the problem with one party rule is that they get to do all of this stuff outside the eyes of the citizens so if they don't want something coming up because it's going to make democrats look bad it doesn't come up this is the downside of one party rule and unless you have people that are democrats that are not satisfied with the way this works then this is the way it's going to continue but you you need people inside that party to say this isn't cool and to actually stand up inside their own party. The problem is we're relying on, you know, liberals to stand up for, you know, for good governance and such against the progressive wing of their party, and they just don't do that. They just generally just never do that. Um, so all right, Susan Rodriguez McDowell, Democrat, District 6, she did not get to have her say about this voting on camera, this Ella Scarborough issue, she did not get to have her say a couple of weeks ago when it first came up and it got tabled. And then when they just removed it off of the agenda completely, they did so before she got to make her speech, too. So the very end of the meeting, she took the opportunity to make her comments then.
3: Yes, I just wanted to, in my commissioner report, explain the reasons why um, I co sponsored the item uh, regarding having cameras on for voting. Um, it seems necessary to, to, uh, to say why I support that. Um, the only way for us to have public dialogue on this or any issue is to place the item on the regular meeting agenda. I believe it is important for us to discuss items which may need to be brought into the realm of public awareness, especially when it is obvious that certain things are not widely understood or known by the general public. Correct. The public places a high value on transparency of its elected bodies. Virtual participation will be with us throughout the duration of the governor's declared state of emergency. No one knows how long this state of affairs will continue. The work of this board is serious business. Our votes are serious business. Our elected positions are not honorary titles. We are each sworn to take serious responsibility for our actions and are accountable to our voters and the community at large. Correct. I take issue with actions that make a mockery of our responsibilities and our oath of office. My motivations are not influenced by factors around age, race, or community standing, period. In conclusion, I support actions which increase public awareness and transparency.
0: All right, that's Susan Rodriguez-McDowell. I suspect she may be one of the commissioners that Bill Malik Said earlier about how, you know, people they just register as whatever party to win. I think she was essentially calling McDowell a Republican. <laughs> uh, and you'll recall at the previous meeting, Pat Cotham, white Democrat female, suggested that the reason why uh, this uh, effort was being undertaken was because it was targeting two black female Democrats and that. It just looked bad if it wasn't actually motivated by race. And so Pat uh, McDowell got to defend herself there, I should say. Um, now, those comments that she made, she makes right before Vilma Leek gets the opportunity to make her closing remarks, which for 20 years she has used her commissioner reports to waste large chunks of a lot of people's lives, mine included, Uh, as she meanders through irrelevant plugola mentions of people that she met on her daily travels, right? Or she engages in mean spirited digs at her colleagues like this one.
2: I received several calls pertaining specifically to the issue of the cameras. And they wanted to know if I had missed meetings since they said that leak and Miss Scar- uh Mrs. Scarborough, were the ones who were not making the meetings. I said, "Now you heard that wrong."
0: That's not actually what was said.
2: I've always been present, whether there was a camera or not. Before you got here.
0: <laughs> so I'm saying. So you hear she turned that. She said that to Commissioner McDowell before you got here. So she starts off by this, with this premise that. People have come to me and said there's always somebody out there coming to her and saying stuff to her. Have you noticed that's the way she starts all of her arguments? Yeah.
2: Made that as a general statement. Right. It was out of order for me. And I have not missed any meetings. <clears throat> and I have participated even when we were having those meetings and had to share with the public at home. So I want the public to understand I was not a part of that. The two or three people who were a part of it, maybe they have a reason as to why they included me in that process.
0: Right. Nobody included her in any process. There wasn't really a process. Uh, There was an allegation that was made by Pat Cotham. There wasn't a process and nobody included her. She did attend the meetings virtually, yes, but she didn't turn her camera on. And she claimed it was because of safety concerns that she couldn't have her camera on. Even though she drives around town with her name on the side of her vehicle, she thought a camera being on (laughs) in the apartment would be, that's just too dangerous, people. Just way too dangerous. She brings up the rumor that wasn't true and then pretends as if she's simply correcting the record. But she didn't even have to bring up the rumor because it wasn't true and nobody on that board knew what she was talking about. Um, the the uh, county commission story. Why does this matter? So, Mon- uh, Monica on Twitter just uh, uh, just nailed it. Vilma Leek was included in the uh, criticism of county commissioners not voting on camera, along with Ella Scarborough, who you can't even hear. She doesn't even open her mic up, right? And the uh, the belief is that she has been in declining health physically maybe but mentally and so is unable to participate for that reason and a couple weeks back her daughter apparently who's been a caregiver for her voted for her on an item they said that's not appropriate so everybody's just kind of like hoping that this just goes away rather than have to kind of go out and fill the term and whatever i don't know like I, again i'm not here to to attack Scarborough or a family or anything like that. But the county commissioners have decisions to make. And you've got at least one of them, maybe two, that tried to raise this, this item. They've been shut down. And Vilma Leek got thrown into this category because she has participated in county commission meetings, but has not turned her camera on. And she said it was out of Security. Fears, And while driving home from work uh, about a week or so ago, I actually ended up right next to her on South Boulevard, and she's driving her very fancy, expensive car, and it's got the, uh, the big green and white sign on it says, you know, like, thank you for electing Vilma Leek or something. So if you are so concerned about your safety that you would not turn on your camera during the meetings... Then why are you driving around with a big sign on the side of your car with your name on it, letting everybody know that that drives by that that's you, right? Right. Because honestly, like, I don't understand what other safety concern you might possibly have. Unless, of course, it's not actually about safety. Monica says maybe it's because she isn't at the apartment. Remember the prior story I told you in the um, last hour about the residency challenges? Yeah. Maybe that if she opened up that video camera, people would see that she's not actually riding out the pandemic in the, you know, thousand square foot apartment. But maybe she's at the house in Raintree. I mean, it's, you know, a pandemic. You want to spread out a little bit. Just something to consider, folks. I do not know it to be true or not. Thank you, Monica. Appreciate the uh, uh, appreciate the tweet there. You can always engage with me on Twitter. I basically live there. It's okay. All right. So let me um, yeah let me jump over here to the uh, Alec Baldwin story. As I said last week, I'm not. I don't. I don't rush to stand on people's graves in order to make political points. Alec Baldwin uh not a fan of him as an individual I do like a lot of his work I think he's very funny the characters he does is very funny I think he's a talented actor and my opinion of actors is that they are just professional liars so I don't know how much it's a compliment <laughs> coming from me but that being said I do think he's a very good actor he's had some very memorable uh roles for me at least that I remember him in and I just I also think he's just an awful person to like everybody around him. So what happened last week on set of this show or movie or I guess it's a movie called Rust where he was practicing a uh who's practicing drawing the gun across his body I think and then he was supposed to point it at the camera and fire I guess and so this was the scene and there was a live round in the gun and he ended up shooting and killing one of the people behind the camera. Cinematographer, I believe. Uh, Helena Hutchins. So this is from The Blaze. Hollywood firearms expert Brian Carpenter says that actor Alec Baldwin broke the number one rule of firearm safety, which resulted in the tragic death of an on-set film crew member last week. Carpenter, who heads... Dark 30 Film Services told the New York Post that Baldwin broke the first rule of firearm safety, which is, anybody? Okay, anybody? yeah, Treat every gun as if it is loaded and you do not point it at something you do not wish to shoot. This is, for anybody who's ever gone through, like, a concealed carry class, it is constantly drilled into you. Well, if you've got a good instructor, that's, you know, halfway decent, I should say. You don't pull the weapon unless you intend to use it, and you don't point it unless you intend to fire it. You treat every gun as if it's loaded, just like you treat every microphone as if it is open. These are just good rules to live by, and people make mistakes. I understand that. But there are legal ramifications for when people do make mistakes. There's there's negligence and such. Now, supposedly he was handed a TMZ reports that uh, he was given the gun. He was handed the gun and told that it was um, what do they say? What do they call it? Cold, I think. Yeah, they, that, that it was declared cold, which is to signify the firearm is safe to handle on the set of a movie. Okay. And what this guy Carpenter, Brian Carpenter, says is it doesn't matter. Okay. Somebody, somebody hands you the gun and says it's cold. It is incumbent upon you as the possessor now of the firearm to make sure that it is not, in fact, loaded with a live round. TMZ reports that according to multiple people connected to the production, this same gun that Baldwin fired was being used by crew members offset for what amounted to target practice. This is the thing I didn't understand. They were like, oh, it's a prop gun. It's a prop gun. Like, if that thing fired a live round, that's not a prop gun, right? That's a gun. That's <laughs> just a gun. <laughs> All right, a prop gun, I think, just wouldn't fire. That's a gun. And so these, apparently, people were using the gun because they're out in the middle of like, New Mexico nowhere, and they're out there just taking target practice, and that's how the round may have ended up in the chamber. Uh, We're told that the -the off-the-clock shooting, which was allegedly happening away from the movie Lot, was done with real bullets, which is how some who worked on the film believe that a live round found its way into one of the chambers that day. Then there's the question of whether or not the new rules should be applied to Alec Baldwin. All right, so while I have not been one to mock Alec Baldwin for... Negligently handling a firearm and killing a woman. A lot of other people have been, and it raises this question. One of those people has been Kurt Schlichter. He's a columnist at Townhall.com. He's a retired colonel, and uh, and I've interviewed and talked with uh, Colonel Schlichter over the years, and um, he's also he also does some stand-up comedy. So he is he's taken the other route, <laughs> right? And he says. Do we really want to live in a world where our reaction to a tragedy caused by an enemy is not sorrow and compassion, but mockery, right? This is the question. And it doesn't matter what we want, though, right? We do live in such a world in large part due to the likes of Alec Baldwin, because besides his scuzzy abuse of the people, notably women, in his orbit, he's a particularly loathsome social media presence. And as a result conservatives are gleefully resurrecting his old tweets about guns and his wish for them to be used on his many, many, many enemies in the wake of his horrible act. There are many, many, many such tweets. I'm not a believer in karma, and I do not fear it. But I do try to keep a respectful distance from irony. However, there is a legitimate question here about how to respond to all of this. There have been two different reactions. One is to recoil with horror at the accident and assert that this is a time when we should offer, you know, thoughts and prayers for the victims and for Baldwin, who one would hope is devastated by what he has done. Nice people tend to have this reaction. Those who want to live in a more genteel world than we currently do. I sympathize with that, he says. In that I would like to live in such a world. I would also like a unicorn pony. And there was the opposite reaction in which our folks ran up the score. The right. The gun uh, gun rights supporters, Second Amendment supporters, right? Ran up the score, skewering the gun control zealots' failure to zealously control his gun. This is playing by the new rules of gladiatorial combat in the cultural coliseum. I sympathize with Both options, I cannot get upset at people for choosing one over the other. If you want to go gentle and cool, and if you want to go hard, okay. After all, the rules are the rules, and there can only be one set of them. In the world I would want to live in, we would all be at option A, right? Whispering a silent prayer for the hurting, and I did. But this isn't the world that we live in. None of us are under any moral obligation to pretend that we do live in that world. This is a world where the rule is that you take an opening in the enemy's line and you drive a couple divisions hard right through it. Alec Baldwin is a bad person, but more than that, he's a bad person who hates us. And now that he's vulnerable, the rules say he's fair game. These are his rules. Is it significant that this amoral, leftist, trumpophobic uh, gun grabber personally executed more mass shootings than any Christian, conservative, Trump-loving NRA member? Not in any kind of intellectual sense. It's just a thing that happened. But it makes a hell of a meme. And these are the rules. And we didn't make these rules. Alec Baldwin helped make these rules. So you have some arguments in defense of you know being nice. And look, full disclosure, me personally, I... I went that route. I would I, I prefer to try to be the change I want to see, right? I I feel like I do. I feel like if we all live uh, if we all become monsters to fight the monsters, then all we're left with is a whole bunch more monsters. And so, you know, try to live the way we wish to live and be an example, model our behavior so others can look at that and say, Let's be like that. And so what Colonel Schlichter asks though. <laughs> which is a fair question. Has that ever actually worked? I mean, has has us not matching punch for punch with the cultural left ever made them hold up and say, gosh, those conservatives' refusal to stoop to my levels made me rethink this whole pursuit of power thing I've been going with? Uh, maybe I'll forego it and return to the norms of yesteryear. No, they don't. Right? They do not. He says we have to fight fire with fire. He says, in combat, you use the necessary weapons. Um, He says, Nazis and communists used guys with guns to attack us, so we used guys with guns to kill them. Was there a moral difference since everybody used guns? So asks the moral illiterate. And the answer is quite obviously, yes, there is a difference, because the other guys were Nazis and communists. And shooting them was a moral imperative because they were Nazis and communists right our mean tweets are in the service of light theirs are on the side of darkness <laughs> this is, as i mentioned he's he does some stand up uh, he's also a lawyer i think he's like the only republican lawyer in california but um this is his this is his approach now and i saw this actually happen i used to uh, i've spoken with him over the years and like i i watched his sort of uh Uh, Well, let's let's call it his migration, a caravan, if you will, uh, towards this this approach. He says to not engage on these terms that reality has set before you is to accept defeat. You might not like the rules, but there they are in a society that has made the rule that you pummel your opponent when he's down to not play by that rule is to then unilaterally disarm. Now I don't know if I agree with that. I tend to not agree with it. I, and maybe that's just Pollyanna. I used to have a guy called him tinfoil tom. He used to be a regular caller up in Asheville. I called him tinfoil tom and he called me Pollyanna Pete. And <laughs> because he, he would assume that I I assumed the or he said I assumed, you know, the the best of people too often. And the nice folks on the right. Right. See this as and, you know, we should be embracing decency. But Colonel Schlichter says that decency is translated into submission. And he says, think of this as the Cold War. You got to have mutually assured destruction. If you launch social media cruelty at our misfortune, you're going to pay in spades. So don't do it. Right? That's, the, that, that's the strategic rationale for this approach. These are the rules that we're playing by today. He says, and I didn't make the rules, and I don't like them. I'm even willing to return to the old ones. Once enough pain has been inflicted to teach the necessary lesson about changing the rules. Because pain, he says, is the teacher here. That's how people are going to learn. There has to be pain now. Again, I'm not, so sure that, I'm not so sure that that is the best way to teach it. I, I don't know. Um, but I did see over the weekend, and maybe I'll get into more of this uh, tomorrow, I saw a video clip from Bill Maher, who is one of the very few liberals standing up to the progressives inside the left. And he is speaking truth to that power. And one of the things he talked about was, like, hey, guys, like, you you keep talking like you are wanting there to be, you know, civil war with these people. And you don't. You will lose. That's what he says. <laughs> like, they have all the guns, first of all. Um, but also, and, and so what's the way forward here is to just maybe be nicer. Maybe that's the way forward here is for everybody to be just a little nicer you know that when somebody does have this kind of a a tragic accident that you don't use it as an opportunity to run onto social media and just be a nasty jerk face but this is the conundrum he says Um, schlichter says that uh he's not willing to play by a different set of rules that limits me at the expense of my opponents he says i want a nice world But I can't get it just by being nice. So, leftists, let me know when you want to change the new rules back. Until then, they're in effect.